Driven mofos, I'm guessing that you found out about this podcast because someone shared it with you, posted it on their Insta stories, tweeted it, or something like that. I hope you're enjoying the podcast and getting a heap of value from it, just like those who shared it with you. As you know, I don't run any paid ads or sponsorship on this podcast, as it's my goal to get good information out to the world for free. The only thing that I'd ask from you is that you continue to pay it forward by sharing this episode and letting others know about what we do in this podcast so that we can keep growing this amazing community of driven mofos. So please keep the good karma rolling and share this episode with someone or just share it on your socials. I think the mental performance space is so underutilized in business. There is just so much room to grow. And I think those who start to master it now are those who are just going to obliterate their competition. Welcome to The Underestimated Entrepreneur, where we talk about how to get the best out of yourself and how to build a life that you can't wait to get out of bed and live each day. This podcast is my attempt at documenting my journey, sharing my insights and what I've learned from being the private mindset and mental performance coach to some of the country's top athletes, rich listers, entrepreneurs, and running events for tens of thousands of people on how to better themselves and those around them. This is for those driven to achieve more in life, but are often underestimated by those around them. This podcast is my attempt at helping you prove your doubters wrong. Please enjoy. This is a special podcast that I recently did with founder of the White Collar Trading Podcast and owner of Plumifier, Matt Zubinick. We dive into building a $100 million empire, better solutions to mental health problems, how to reduce self-sabotage and self-destructive thoughts, plus a ton more. Welcome back. This is part four of this four-part series. Remember to share this episode if you enjoyed it, and you can watch the whole interview live on my YouTube channel at MichaelMojo00 on YouTube. Often we speak about limiting beliefs. I think that's one of the biggest things I've got from us working together. Mm -hmm. Um, And one that I used to tell myself, which I've sort of, I don't anymore, is that there was no good plumbers out there who wanted to work here. Mm-hmm. Or who were looking for a job. That was one of my stupid limiting beliefs. I didn't even know it. So I'd like to ask you what some of your limiting beliefs have been that you've had to change over the years. Shit, man. They're like, oh, it's like everything in life, right? Like things work until they don't work. And every, every asset eventually becomes a liability. So your beliefs now will eventually become your liability. But at one point, they're your asset. Mm. The habits that you have today were once your goal of creating those new habits. So like when you create a habit, you create a habit and then that habit works for a while. And then eventually that habit becomes a habit that's a pain in the ass that you've got to try and break in order to create Mm. a new habit. Mm. So, you know, like we're always creating new habits. We're always creating new beliefs where I, I think like, I think life for me, from what I've been able to study and a lot of my philosophies are based on other great philosophers that I've studied. Um, and I've studied a, a lot of really good philosophers throughout history. I've also studied a lot of the later science as well. And I try to bridge those gaps because I think great thinkers are great thinkers. And I think sometimes people get so caught up, especially in this day and age of like the scientific methodology, they get so caught up in right and wrong versus like how do great thinkers think? I like to think how great thinkers think because mm-hmm. I think that's more important than being right or wrong. Cause who knows what's Albert Einstein said, today's facts are tomorrow's fiction. So when it comes to beliefs, your beliefs work to a point and then they stop working. And if they stop working, you've got to be self-aware enough to reflect and go, well, why aren't I getting the results that I want? Or why is that, why aren't things working? So I have this, I, I've had it twice just in the last 24 hours where someone said to me, you know, it's just so hard to get good employees, right? I'm like, okay, cool. It's fair enough. That's your belief. And that's what you look for. Well, fair enough. That's, that's the world that you have. The world that people perceive is essentially based on their perception. So if someone says you can't trust anyone, they're a hundred percent right. 
right? Because in their own mind, that is their belief. Mm. So they are a hundred percent right. You've had arguments before as have I with other people and they're like, but you know, there's no money in the world and like, there's fucking money everywhere. And they're like, nope, there's no money in the world. You're both right because you see money. They don't. Yeah. Yeah. So you're not going to convince them. (laughs) You're not going to convince them that there's shitloads of money in the world because that's a belief that they don't have. Just like if someone says, I believe in God and someone else says, I don't believe in God. You're not going to convince like the dude who believes in God is not going to sit there and go, actually, you know what? You're fucking right. That's a good point. Yeah. Right. But they don't care because I've got the belief. Mm -hmm. So for me personally, I haven't been attached to beliefs because I think that they only work for a certain period of time. What I'm more attached to is outcomes. So, you know, if, if you believe in God and that helps you to run a better business, who am I to say that he doesn't exist because you're getting the results? Mm. I'm not going to go to even go down that path of talking about religion and shit. But my point is that your beliefs are either working for you or they're working against you. The question is, do you want to change them or not? Mm. And I have people every week that ring me up and they're like, you know, yeah, but the economy is just shit. And I'm like, okay, cool. So what's that got to do with your business? And they're like, well, you know, it's just no one wants to spend any money. I'm like, fucking no one. 26 million Australians or 27 million Australians and no one wants to spend money. You dumb shit. Like, let's just look at the share market today, right? Let's say there's $20 billion has changed hands in the Australian, the Australian stock exchange or the global, you know, whether it's, you know, like if, if I, this is what I realized when I was younger in my twenties. And this is what got me set on the, the mindset path. There were people out there who believed that certain things were certain ways and they tended to achieve a lot. And what I found was that those who believed that they couldn't, they were normally right. And those who believed they could were right. So I'm not saying that people who just believe shit all the time make it happen. But what I'm saying is that intelligent beliefs tend to work better than unintelligent beliefs. Now, some people exaggerate their beliefs and they're like, I just believe that I can do anything and can conquer the world. And they're going to get the shit kicked out of. Then there are other people out there who are like, I don't believe that anything will ever work. And so they don't get anywhere. There's like a sweet spot in the middle somewhere where if you keep questioning your beliefs and you sort of work on them. um, Mm. Questioning the beliefs, I reckon that's big. Yeah. And that's really, I I think in order to be able to question your beliefs takes a lot of courage. It takes a lot of intelligence. And I don't think most people do it because it gives them certainty about life. Yeah. Yeah. Like you can say my ex-girlfriend's a bitch because of all these fucking reasons and you know, she fucked me and all that. Okay, cool. But what was your role in that? Mm. Because if you don't, if you don't learn from your mistakes, you're going to repeat them. Mm-hmm. And most people repeat the same shit over and over again. Like you've probably got friends and they date the same girlfriend. They've just got a different name and a different haircut, but they're the same fucking person. They've got the same habits, the same yeah. shit. And then they're like, I can't believe she left. And it's like, how could you not believe she left? The last 10 have like, it's the same. Yeah. Business owners are like, you can't, you know, all employees are shit. And it's like, okay, but. So there's a common, there's a common theme in there. Mm-hmm. If you don't learn that lesson, you're going to keep hiring people because your hiring strategy is shit, but your hiring strategy is shit because your, your thought process and your beliefs around it are, are completely incorrect and they're not getting you the result you want. Yeah. So you can hold on to that and then you can try to change the world to fit your beliefs or you can change your beliefs to fit the world around you. Like how mm. do you, how do you, which one's going to be easier? Mm. So from a younger age, I started realizing that my thought process was either working for me or working against me. And that I also know that everyone who's listening to this knows that they're their best friend and their worst enemy. I would rather have my brain as my best friend than my worst fucking enemy. Mm. Because if my brain is my worst enemy, no matter what anyone else does, I guarantee I'll do worse. I have people all the time attack me on social media and like, I couldn't give a fuck. doesn't bother me. It mm. used to, but it doesn't anymore. The reason is because I'm just doing my thing. 
Yeah, that's cool. You know, most of the people go, your, your events are a scam and you rip people off. I'm like, cool, man. What event have you been to? Mm. Did I take your cash? Did I take somebody knows cash? Yeah. They're just, it's just, it's just a belief that they have. Now I can get on there and I can argue with them, but that ain't going to change the fact that they think that, right? So fucking who cares? Yeah. But I had to change that belief around that also. So those, those people help, are helping me evolve in my reactions. And I think the environment around us helps us to see how we think. So I really believe that our external world is a reflection of our internal world. So if you want to see a person's thoughts, have a look at what they create. It's really that simple. When someone's like, I'm fucking business is stuck. What do you reckon's going on in their head? They're stuck. hundred percent. You know, business is falling apart. What do you reckon's going on inside their head? They're falling apart for some reason. I'm crushing it. What do you reckon's going on in their head? They're crushing it. hundred percent. So like, I, I, I really think that the mindset field is one of the most underutilized fields in any area. And I've been brought into professional sports teams and funny story. I, I can't, I won't say who it is, but a, a professional sports team, the, the assistant coach reached out to me and they said that they were listening to one of my, uh, talks on social media. And I think it was a rant that I was on. And this person didn't even have social media. You don't media. go on rants. Yeah, I know I don't go on rants. <laughs> uh, sorry, go on. So he, he, he was listening. His ex-wife had, um, had me on in the morning. They were getting ready or something for work. And she just had me playing in the background. He's like, who the fuck is this? And she said, oh, it's, you know, Mojo and da, da, da. And he's like, this is good. And he didn't have social media. So she reached out to me and she's like, he's the assistant coach of this sporting team. Um, you know, he would love to catch up with you. And I was like, oh, okay. So I ended up getting in contact with him, caught up with him. And I said, what's going on? And he said, do you know, in our professional sport, we have to have psychologists now, not because of sports performance and making these young men, men, we've only got them there so they don't commit suicide. That's the only reason he told me these were his words. They were afraid of young guys committing suicide. And that's the reason why they had a sports psychologist, not because they were helping them with their performance or not because they were helping them with their, um, you, you know, life skills. Mm. And he said, most of them, you have to understand that most of these young men have been spoon fed and had their bums wiped since they were young because, you know, 10, 11, 12 years of age, they were sort of excelling at sport. And then they got into the, you know, under, yeah. under 16s, under 18s and all that. And they've consistently been seen as the golden child. Then they get um, scholarships and all that for schooling and, and they fuck around at school and the teachers don't really kick them out because the yeah. school doesn't want to kick them out. And then they become professional athletes and, and their first paycheck, they, they've never had to work at McDonald's or anything like that because mum and dad take care of them or they've got scholarships. And now they go out and play this professional sport and their first paycheck might be 120 to 150,000 bucks a year. Yeah. And, and they're just on the list. They haven't even had a game yet. And so he's like, they have no fucking life skills. They've never had to have any responsibility, never accountability. And for yeah, some of them, they they get into the game and then they get dropped after the first year and that's it. Game over. The thing that they've worked hard for their whole life is over and done with. Mm. And then now they've got to go and figure out what they want to do in life. Mm. And so it's like, they just fall into these downhill spirals. He's like, dealing with young guys is really tough. And he said, we need someone like you to come in and not only teach these young guys how to be men and the responsibilities that they have but also give them the tools to not only perform well in sport, but perform well in life. Anyway, I worked with him a couple of times and then unfortunately, well, fortunately and unfortunately, he got um, a huge exchange to, uh, it's an international sport. So he got uh, a, a big gig overseas and um, he left and then that was it. I just perished into the, oh, you know, that yeah, was it. Yeah. I never worked with him again or, or anything like that. And so, um, 
you know, I think, um, mindset is really such an untapped resource in every area. Like even sporting teams underutilize the mental performance space so much, mm. but not only that businesses just do such a bad job. Like I, 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 I get asked to go and speak at corporate events and I fucking hate them. And I hate most corporate events because most corporate events are more built on making staff feel good and a day off than they are actually solving a problem and helping people. So like when I get, when I go in and speak in a business, I'm like, right, let's do the values of the organization. Let's get your values clear. Let's align them so that we can work. We can be more productive. They don't want to hear that shit. They want someone up there like, you know, I overcame this hardship and yeah. here's my fucking success. And so they get the professional athlete up there who talks about their career and everyone goes, wow, I'm really motivated. Two days later, they're back doing the same shit that they've always done. There's, there's no, there's no change or there's no transfer in knowledge. It's just that they've been inspired for two days and most of the workers are there. Like they've got 4,000 staff sitting in this big fucking auditorium, listening to this professional athlete talking about their career and they're getting all inspired and motivated. That shit lasts for two days and mm. then they go back to doing the same stuff that they've always done. That's it. So, um, I, my point is that I think the mental performance space is so underutilized in business. It's so underutilized in sport. There is just so much room to grow. And I think those who start to master it now are those who are just going to obliterate their competition, mm. obliterate it because it's just such an untapped resource. If you're a business owner and you're wanting to grow your business, please make sure you head to Facebook and search for my No BS Business Hacks Facebook group. It's totally free and I share tips, tools, templates, and live trainings on all things sales, marketing, leadership, management, systemization, and more, as well as how to help you to perform at your best by optimizing your mindset as the business owner. So if you're a business owner, head across to Facebook via the link in the description of this podcast and join my free No BS Business Hacks Facebook group. I'm going to cut a few questions short here, but I'm hoping maybe we can come back for a round two because I don't have a lot more questions, but I think personally, I think one of the skills that you, I believe it's a skill, you probably might have a different opinion, but a, a, a skill you learn as you go along in business is like to learn how to trust your gut instinct, mm -hmm. that feeling you get. I'd like to know your thoughts on how do you look at making decisions based on information and data that you're looking at versus what your gut is telling you when they both don't align with each other. I think they're, they're the same, they're, they are the same thing. It's just, it's often misrepresented or misdiagnosed. And the reason why I say that is because when, when we're talking about gut feeling, there, there's a couple of different things and these, I'm, I'm a bit more scientific down this area. Mm. When we're, That's when we're talking about gut feeling. There's no real scientific evidence that gut feeling exists, but humans have a, a sense of this idea of though, like they have this feeling and it's right. But if you look at specific scientific studies, there's no data out there that shows that it's accurate. It's like a 50, 50, you might as well just toss a coin. Yeah. Where it's accurate is that you've had these past experiences and those past experiences led you to feel a certain way. So let's say you've gone into business with someone before and you got screwed and you went into business with someone before and you got screwed and then you've dealt with a couple of bad customers. And so you start piecing, your brain starts piecing together. Like what's, what's the similarities between these? So then the next time you've got to make a decision, you're like, okay, I feel this certain way, but those feelings are there based on your past experiences. So it's not that you've got a gut feel. It's just that you're actually taking the data from these past experiences and then interpreting them as a gut feel, yeah. but it's actually knowledge that you have from those experiences. So the wisdom is there, but if it's just the gut feeling and it's emotional, it'll be a 50, 50 split. Okay. So there'll be times like 
if, if you say to someone, when you're stressed, do you get more red lights than what you do normally? Yeah. Well, no, but you feel like you do. You feel like you do, right? Because you're more aware of it. Like if I say to you for a million bucks. Yeah, if you're in a rush, you get every red light seemingly. Yeah, but it's, it's not that. It's, it's that there are some times where things flow and there are sometimes there aren't. I mean, I'm in a rush sometimes and I get every fucking green light and I get there early and I'm like, yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. But I, when, when it's all the red lights and I'm stressed, I'm like, shit. And you become hyper aware of it. So under stress, we become hyper aware of the externals. When we're calm and relaxed, we become more aware of the internals. Mm-hmm. So our brain structure based on neuroscience, when we're relaxed and calm, we tend to internalize thoughts. When we're stressed, we tend to externalize, which is why when we're under stress, we tend to blame shit outside of ourselves instead of looking and realizing mm-hmm. that it's fucking us that mm-hmm. creates most of the problems. Does that yeah. make sense? Yeah. Um, so, so the gut feeling is there, but it's based on past experience. And so the more experience you are, the more you, you can trust your gut because, and the more accurate it is because of the experiences you've had. Mm-mm. If you take some dipshit and then get them to go on their gut experience in business, yeah. I can guarantee they get the right make okay. the wrong decision a lot. There. And, the, and hence why I feel maybe I'm calling it a skill, but essentially it's just, it's experience, isn't it? Yeah. And then that's what's giving you the gut feel. Yep. Is that what you're saying? Yeah. hundred yeah. percent. And that's sick. You know, you get this in sport as well, where someone goes, you know, I just felt that they were going to kick the ball that way. It wasn't that you felt it. It was that there are all these little nuances that you're yeah, picking up on okay. the way that they're holding the ball, the way that they're moving, the way that they're kicking, and your brain just goes bang, and it does it so fast mm. that your interpretation is that you just knew it. Mm. But it wasn't that you knew it. It was just decades of training and and being on the field that yeah to do that. Yeah, that's oh, I never thought about it like that. But it's so it's so you're spot on. Like you you'd know mm. in your field where you got probably got people coming to you all the time. You you do, and then you just over the so many times you've had so many types of people come to you and you can see like, oh, just something doesn't feel right about that that person. Like I get that with customers <laughs> and I t- certainly didn't have it at the start. I was just taking on every customer. I thought everyone was a good bloke. Yep. And now as you come along, I feel like I can just go to a site meeting with and meet someone and, and then I'll be like, yeah, no, nah, they're definitely trustworthy. Or sometimes you're like, nah, something's not right. But you're you, usually right if once you get experience. Yeah. But if you took you back when you first started, I guarantee you would have had that same mm. gut feel. It's mm. just, it's I never just thought about it like that, but it's true. Yeah. One more question. Go for it. Because we've got to wrap it up, but I'm telling you, I've got a lot more that I'll. <laughs> In this uncertain economic um, environment we're all heading towards, mm-hmm. well, what the experts will tell you, yep. um, what do you think is going to separate the business people who come out on top versus the rest of them? Cool. The uncertainty is created on a lack of knowledge. We're uncertain when we don't know. When you know, you're not uncertain. So it's not it's not a time of economic uncertainty. Warren Buffett's not stressed about a time of economic uncertainty. He's sitting back with all of his cash going, yes, we're going into a contraction in the economy because it's been overstimulated and what goes up has to come back down. You know, I keep talking about this law of balance. If you look at the yin-yang philosophy, which has been, or the, the Chinese philosophy of yin-yang, it's been around for thousands of years. Mm. And what that says is that as one side expands, so does the other. You can't have one without the other. So you can't have an expansion without a contraction. It's got to go back to what its average is. And so if you look at, let's say, the US share market, on average, it's about an 8% growth per year, year on year, on average over the last 100, 112 years, whatever Mm -hmm. it is. Mm -hmm. So we know that if the economy is overstimulated and you're getting, you know, 12, 15, 18, 20% per year for three years, then you know where we're heading into a correction. And it's really a correction and, and it's a contraction. But that's because it's been overstimulated. Yeah. You know, you know, when you're hyperactive that you're eventually going to crash, like any human that's super excited, 
and excitable and burns a lot of energy will crash. Mm -hmm. After a hard training session, you've got to recover. Like there's this, there's this beautiful balancing act that happens or homeostasis in, in the world, mm -hmm. I believe, and in society and in ourselves. So we've had this economic expansion, especially in the building industry. So it's obvious the building industry has got to contract. It has to. Um, it, it can't stay overstimulated for a period of time because it's just, it's, it's, it'll go out of control. The economy has been overstimulated. That there has to then have a contraction in order to bring it back. You and I both know that it is almost impossible to find half decent employees now because the, the, um, the unemployment rate is so low that mm. now, like, I mean, a year ago, I heard of big businesses, like I was speaking to someone who runs a, a major legal firm um, here in Adelaide. And they were saying to me, like, they were just hiring, hiring, um, lawyers because they, they, they knew that they were going to keep expanding. They're like, we'd rather have the employees just sitting around all fuck all than wait six months and have the work and not have people to do the work. So they were essentially hiring staff mm. just to have them available as the business grows mm -hmm. versus like a normal type business. You don't have that opportunity. So now there are, there were major, large organizations huge corporations that were just hiring people just for the sake of hiring them because they, they had to have them because of their, their forecasting of expansion. That was it. Mm. So you and I are out there trying to hire an employee and they're like, well, fuck it. I'm working for this large firm and I get paid to pretty much sit there and do fuck all day. And they're paying me, you know, an extra 20% on top of what I'm really worth. Why would I go anywhere else? Like I don't have to do anything. There's no responsibilities. There's no accountabilities. I essentially don't report to anyone. In fact, I don't really even have to do any work. And yeah. Normally I'm worth 150K, but now I'm getting paid 170 plus bonuses. Plus I can work from home. Plus, you know, someone comes and wipes my ass when I shit. Like that's what we've got. Mm. It was so obvious that the economy was tilted so far one way that it has to come back and correct itself back into balance. Mm -hmm. So I don't think about any, everything is just a cycle and life is a cycle. Like you go through times in business of expansion, contraction, but it tightens things up. Like. I know in my own business, and, and you will have this as well, and any other business owner has this, is that when you go through a time of economic growth where you, you're starting to take on more clients and cash flow is going well, you start to become a little bit complacent. You're like, ah, it doesn't matter. You know, that staff member, they're shit, but you know, mm. we'll just keep them because they're, they're, they're all right because you've got enough cash. Yeah. When you're struggling every week to pay bills, you can't afford to pay someone who is shit. So when a business expands, we tend to be a little bit loose and a little bit complacent. Whereas when the business contracts, we tend to tighten everything up. So as the business expands in order to get to the next level, it has to contract a little bit to tighten everything up so that then we can expand into the next level. Mm. And then it's got yeah. to contract in order to expand again. Yep. So all businesses go through this cycle of almost like a breath where, where it breathes in and it expands and it gets a little bit loose and a little bit complacent, and then it tightens up a little bit. And so all cycles are like this and everything has a cycle, you know, business has I believe business has like a, a, a different, a couple of different life cycles. So you have summer where everything's in harvest and everything's super easy. Then it goes into autumn and you're like, oh shit, things are getting a bit tighter. Like we've got to be a little bit smarter. Then you go into winter and you're like, oh fuck, nothing's ever going to go good again. Like we could lose everything. This is shit. And then all of a sudden you start to get a bit of glimmer of hope again because springtime starts mm. to happen. All the hard work you've been putting in through winter when everything's dark and gloomy and you're working your ass off just to keep your fucking head above water. Now you're in... In springtime again, now you've got this glimmer of hope. You're like, oh, I think we're back onto it again. And then you go through summer. So business is, you know, those four seasons. Then you've also got the growth cycle of a business, which if you have a look at a startup, it's essentially a newborn baby. 
a newborn baby, you feed it and all it does, it just shits itself. Mm. And you're like, man, all I do is change nappies and feed this fucking thing and it cries. A business, all you do is you feed it cash when you first start it and all it does is it shits its pants every day. Yeah. And you're like, what the yeah. fuck? When's this going to get better? And you've got these hopes and dreams. And the only reason why you do it is because you love it just like a child. Yeah. If, if it wasn't for the love of a child, you would just kill it because it's like it serves no purpose whatsoever apart from the idea of love. Mm. Like, I mean, it, it's true, right? Like there's, there's a child, a, a newborn baby serves no purpose apart from love because all it does is it eats, it shits and screams. That's mm. it. Mm. Um, and, and you go, look how cute it is. <laughs> but all it's done is it's thrown up on itself and all that. But your startup business is exactly like that. You're like, you know, I love this. I love the intensity of it, but like, fuck money, cash flow. And it's like really intense. And then it starts to grow and it starts to like crawl a little bit. The owner has to be around because you've got to watch it all the time. So when you first start hiring staff, your first five, six, 10 staff, you've got to watch them all the fucking time because they just do something crazy. Like you look away for two seconds and something's mm. fucked and you're like, oh man, what's going on here? But it's just crawling around. It's trying to figure it out. And you're trying to figure it out. And then eventually it stands up and it starts walking on its own two feet. You've got to watch it, but at least it can walk on its own two feet. So you can send the boys out to do a job, but you've got to keep your eye on them all the time. Cause if not, it's going to fall over and hurt itself. But as the business grows, it goes through the same growth cycle where eventually you can let it go for a couple of days and it's fine by itself. Or in a teenager, yeah. a teenager is completely independent, can look after itself, can do everything, but you've got to be really out. Of, you've got to be really careful because it can get out of control. Mm. A lot of businesses die in startup or they die in its teenage years because owners, when it's in its teenage years, they're like, cool, I'm going away for four months now because I've worked hard for seven years. Mm, now we're making so a shit true. ton of cash yeah. and they just take their after prize. But teenagers normally will crash the car and kill themselves because they just, they, they don't understand risk. Whereas you've understood risk, but the new manager or the general manager doesn't have that same risk that you have as the owner. Mm. Great businesses get to a stage where they want to stay an adult, a young adult for as long as possible. So if you look at Apple, Apple's cool, it's trendy, and they try and keep it in that young adult stage. How do we keep it cool? How do we keep it trendy? How do we keep it relevant? But at the same time, we've got good management practices. It mm. mitigates risks, all of that. Apple years ago got old. It just got old really, really quickly and it started dying out. And so they started losing market share and then they brought back Steve Jobs and he made it cool again. So our goal as business owners is to... If, if we want to have a great business, we want to build it to a young adult, keep it cool, keep it trendy, keep it relevant. But at the same time, having the management, the mm. procedures, all of that stuff risk mitigated. And we think through things and we sort of try and keep it there because that's where you're going to maximize profit. Yeah. Yeah. And then if it gets too old, it's going to die. That's sick. Thanks for coming on, man. My um, pleasure. Yeah. There's been some super, really awesome learnings. And I personally, I, I do really appreciate everything you do for me. And um, I couldn't speak highly enough of the odyssey crew that you got going on so i'd, I'd recommend everyone check it out because i was a one of those uh naysayers as as you you would know how we met and um no you've definitely proven that it's worthwhile i wouldn't have this if it wasn't for you so thanks my pleasure and do you want to let everyone know quickly where they where to find you yeah uh porn up <laughs> <laughs> no I'm, I'm not that good it'd be the worst 30 seconds you ever pay for um but um look um, if anyone wants to find me, just go to, um, uh, Google, you can type in Michael Mojo and the website will come up. Uh, you can find me on any social media platform, uh, Michael Mojo double zero. Uh, you can find me on Instagram, Facebook. Uh, we've got a group called no bullshit business hacks or no BS business hacks on Facebook, which essentially is a group for business owners. And I'd throw tools in there, trainings, all of that stuff to help business owners grow. 
I know that business is tough. And one of the worst things I think for most business owners is that they're ignorant enough to think that they can do it alone. Businesses win because they build good teams. And not only do you need to have a good team of people who work in the business, but you've also got to have a good team of people around you as a business owner. And if you can't bounce ideas, you're not around people who are stimulating thoughts. You don't have those types of people who are up with technology and, and mm. industries and, and things that are evolving, then you can be left behind really, really quickly. And, um, you know, I've just tried to create that environment for business owners because, man, I know it's tough and, um, you know, I want to be around other people as well who are, who are tough, but also who want to grow and want to learn and are adaptable and, and resilient and who want to do cool shit as well. Like, you know, business odysseys and isn't a boring, like jump up, down, high five no. each other event. It's like, we're in here to get shit done, but then let's go and have beers afterwards in a state. Mm. Um, and so that's what I love about our community. Like I go and hang out with everyone. I'm one of the only speakers in the world who actually go out and hang out with their, their audience. Cause I actually mm. enjoy hanging out with everyone. Um, and hearing how everything's going. So, um, yeah, you can check out that on Facebook and business odyssey. You can just shoot me a message or whatever, if you're, you're keen to know more about it and I'll send you some info. Thanks. Legend. Thank you, mate. Thank Thanks you. a lot, man.